You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. This is a, a very significant event. Very significant event. Bill Johnson is a fifth generation pastor in his family line. Thank you so much. His followers call him Papa Bill, and he's grown his father's former church into one of the largest and most unusual churches in America. You know, I I, I just don't have it in my heart to build a big ministry. Never have. But I do have a desire to build big people. And the number of people in the room is not as important to me as the size of their yes. So what makes Bill Johnson's church so unusual? I actually hired someone who just records the miracles, and that's their job. Their job is primarily recording uh, as a historian to record the miracles of what God has done and uh, give us printed reports on the things that have happened. Physical healings, visions of angels, mysterious gems found on the sanctuary floor, even resurrections. Bill Johnson, his fellow leaders, family members, and congregation, they make extremely bold claims of supernatural signs and wonders. I'm going to be mocked by the entire city. There's no one in this city that is going to believe this is God. This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. This season... I invite you to join me as I explore Bethel Church in Redding, California. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. But either way, by the end of this season, I hope we'll all have enough information to make our own conclusions about this bewildering and extremely controversial church. I'll talk to current followers who say they're having life-changing experiences and former followers who think they might've got caught up in a cult. I'll talk to journalists historians, scientists. And just like I promised in season one, you're going to hear a lot of unusual sounds during this podcast. But I promise you, everything you hear, every single moment is an authentic recording of genuine worship. Nothing has been reproduced. I first heard of Bill and Bethel while I was exploring the Toronto Blessing for season one, which, if you missed it, it's a bizarre spiritual movement deep within the evangelical wing of the Christian church. In 1994, the Toronto Blessing started with the sudden explosion of strange behavior by worshippers at this tiny little church near the end of a runway at Toronto Pearson International Airport. There was hysterical laughing, shaking, and hundreds of people even claimed that gold teeth were supernaturally appearing in their mouths. Back in the 90s, the Toronto Blessing quickly spread to other churches, including my childhood church in Prince Rupert, British Columbia, and... And it felt like he could kill me. Bethel Church in Redding, California. Electricity going through my body in a way that I had no control of my limbs. I was embarrassed. I actually felt my face turn red out of embarrassment. More than a quarter century later, Bill Johnson is one of the most powerful evangelicals in America, and he credits the Toronto Blessing for the notable growth and success of his ministry. But, and this is one of the many questions I have so far, just how powerful is Bethel, really? 
Thank you for uh, allowing me to speak. Uh, my name is David Robbins, um, longtime resident of Reading and Shasta County. Um, I had a couple concerns. I've already discovered the, uh, that residents regularly show up at Reading City Council meetings to voice their concerns about Bethel, how much power it has in civic politics. Uh, what comes to mind is violation of separation of church and state. I know that particularly in our town, the line between that has been blurry um, over the past couple decades. And um, I'm not alone in my concerns about that, um, the drone program, the gifting um, by Bethel Church. Um, but I've also found early evidence that Bethel's power may even stretch all the way to the White House. Thank you very much, please. On this National Day of Prayer, America is engaged in a fierce battle against a very terrible disease. Throughout our history, in times of challenge, our people have always called upon the gift of faith the blessing of belief, the power of prayer, and the eternal glory of God. I ask all Americans to join their voices and their hearts in spiritual union as we ask our Lord in heaven for strength and solace, for courage and comfort, for hope and healing, for recovery, and for renewal. Episode 1. The Freedom to Worship. This season, my story starts in the summer of 2020, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Season one of Heaven Bent has just wrapped up, and a bunch of my new listeners are sending me messages about what they think I should cover next. Bethel's coming up a lot, and so does someone named Sean Foyt. Happy Friday, everyone, and happy 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you guys are going to be as obnoxiously patriotic as me and my family will be, especially in these days. I want to thank so many of you for joining us. Foyt's in his late 30s, and he gives off some pretty serious California Jesus vibes, except his long hair is super curly and blonde, and he wears glasses sometimes. He's one of Bethel's most elite worship leaders, and right around the same time that I'm officially starting my research into Bethel, He's about to start something himself, something absolutely jaw-dropping. But listen, something absurd happened last night. Um, I could not believe it. I was looking at my phone, and I got an alert from the state of California, and it said this, California bans singing in church. And I, like, I had to like do a double take and then a triple take. I'm like, this can't be real. Discontinue singing in rehearsals, services, etc., chanting, and other practices and performances where there is an increased likelihood for transmission from contaminated, exhaled droplets. How insane is that? That for the last several weeks, tens of thousands of people have been gathering outdoors in cities all across California, and they have been screaming and chanting and protesting. And all the while, the state officials are encouraging them as they do this. And then now, as the church wants to gather, just like we've been doing for thousands of years, to simply worship God, they bring the hammer down against this. I mean, it's just, can you see the hypocrisy and how insane this is? And it really is time, guys, that we take a stand and that we fight back. Not only does this come against our right as Americans in the Constitution, but it comes against everything we believe as Christians. And this is why Sean Foyt has hatched a plan to defy these public health orders. We are not stopping. We believe in our religious uh, freedoms to do this, and we're going to take a stand. 
So in the midst of this pandemic, Sean Foyt has launched a cross-country outdoor worship tour. It's called Let Us Worship. And my plan? To track it from city to city as part of this new season. They come to sing, dance, hug. They come to unabashedly worship. And there's rarely a mask in sight. So it was about mid-July when Sean Foyt and his wife Kate packed up their four sun-kissed kids and hit the road. With an Airstream travel trailer, courtesy of the financial donations being made by Foyt's growing number of supporters. These are people who really believe in what he's doing and who he actively updates on his YouTube page and various social media accounts. Thank you so much, everybody that has given. I think this, up until this morning, it's been $5,014. And we are sitting, this is actually where the kids are going to have bunk beds. You're going to have a bunk bed right here. You're going to have a bunk bed right here. (laughs) And The kids are are super sweet. And Sean Foy is so earnest. And in my opinion, he seems very genuinely excited. You can tell. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Thank you. From our family to yours, thank you for sewing into our revival bus. (laughs) But in the background of all that, this tour, and this is putting it lightly, it's bothering a lot of people. Some of them enough that they're showing up to protest. They call it out as reckless, and even for some Christian protesters, totally unnecessary. Seattle, New York, Tampa, Florida, the Let Us Worship tour is crisscrossing the nation, leaving a string of public health officials gobsmacked in its wake. And mainstream media is starting to pay attention. Depending on the outlet, I'm seeing everything from calls for Foyt's arrest to glowing reviews of concerts that are lifting up persecuted Christians during a trying time. And one stop that's inspiring more than its share of headlines, Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's because Sean Foyt, many believe, insensitively brought his worship tour to town during what's now known as the Kenosha Unrest. This is a period of supercharged civil unrest here, rioting and protests after the police shooting of Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man who was shot in the back seven times by a white police officer. Jacob Blake's name is now on the lips of the millions of people who are demonstrating around the world in support of Black Lives Matter. Sean Foyt, Bill Johnson, and a lot of people in the Bethel community, they do not support Black Lives Matter. Foyt is actually quite outspoken about it. He calls BLM shady and a fraud. 
Now, I have seen him clarify in social posts that he does believe Black Lives Matter. It's the BLM organization that he opposes. It's because of things like BLM being pro-choice, while he is, quote, very anti-abortion. It's because BLM believes in what Foyt describes as radical gender theory. He also says it's about BLM's efforts to defund the police. The people who think Sean Foyt rocking up to Kenosha like this was utterly tone deaf, they see it as Foyt's deliberate attempt to overshadow BLM, steal some of the international spotlight, and stage an inappropriate photo op for God. They see an outsider who came to town uninvited, unwelcomed by the Blake family, a man who carried on an obnoxious outdoor worship concert while the city of Kenosha burns at night and locals openly grieve in the streets during the day. Voigt himself, of course, sees it in a completely different light, something he addresses at most of his events. But here's what he said to the Kenosha crowd specifically. It was wild. Last night we showed up in Milwaukee and these two sheriffs pulled up because somebody tattletailed on us. And um, <laughs> it's amazing how worshiping Jesus could be controversial in 2020. I just can't even wrap my mind around that. Like, this is actually what we should be doing. We already know that we cannot put our faith in politicians or legislator, legislature. It's an election year. Things ain't going to chill out. So what we need to do is we need to petition heaven. We need to remind America that the government is upon his shoulders. More Heaven Bent after this quick message. Another iconic stop in the first few weeks of Foyt's tour was his hometown stop in California. He held one here in Reading, which was attended by, um, by best estimates, around 2,000 people. That's Annalise Pierce. There was not social distancing. There was no uh, very little use of masks at the event. Annalise is an investigative reporter from Reading. She's also a former member of Bethel Church. Quite a few people, including city council people and government leaders, public health officials, have condemned the event, um, calling it unsafe for the community. Uh, Bethel has distanced themselves from this event, saying that it was not organized by the church. But it's very clear that Sean Floyd is very directly connected to the leaders um, of, of Bethel. And in fact, in the past, held a faith rally event with Bill Johnson at the beginning of the pandemic, in which Bill basically told him, you know, that we just need to declare the word of God against this virus to stay safe. Bethel has taken, it seems to me as well, two simultaneous stances on this tour. So there's these official Bethel press releases that say things like, we had nothing to do with this. We didn't plan it. So don't blame us for Sean Foyt's actions. But at the same time, Bethel leaders are signaling their support through their social media accounts and by attending events themselves especially the ones closer to home. Let us worship Reading. That's Foyt's hometown stop. It was one of the earliest dates on the tour. 2,000 people reportedly showed up, which would make it about 10 times more crowded than what public health orders allowed for at the time. According to a report by local ABC affiliate KRCR, many of them were from Bethel. 
And again, almost no one was wearing a mask. This is already coming up for me a lot. Evangelicals like Sean Foyt and evangelical churches like Bethel, they've actually developed quite the reputation for being anti-maskers. And it's not unfounded. According to a 2020 Data for Progress study, evangelicals, white evangelicals especially, are far less likely to wear a mask in public than the general American population. And a question that's coming up for me real quick here, and something I will be asking Bethel folk themselves this season, is why? You know, that is a very complex question, um, and it's something I've been trying to unpack as well. There's definitely, like, you know, this whole, we're being muzzled, we're being silenced, that masks are sort of a symbol of the muzzling of the people of America. And I think this goes along very well with the the feeling of many on the Christian right that there's views and their voice are being silenced by progressive movements within America and that their beliefs about what the Bible says is true and the way society should work is being muzzled. And that's why evangelical Christians like Sean Foyt, like Bill Johnson, this is why they love Trump. I mean, Trump's been slaying dragons for them, working to ban abortions and same-sex marriage erasing transgender civil rights protection in healthcare. It feels like the personal beliefs and opinions of some of the leaders of Bethel Church have just become maybe empowered by Trump's rise to power. Maybe the feeling that, oh, now our beliefs make more sense in, in America because of Trump. Trump is widely accused of pushing evangelical agendas. And the accusation is that he does it not because of his own personal beliefs or morals, but because it greatly pleases a powerful group of voters. White evangelicals make up almost one out of every five voters in America. And in the 2016 presidential election, 81% of them voted for Trump. And he has since shown his appreciation and what appears to be allegiance in a number of ways, including periodically inviting evangelicals to meet with him in the White House. On one of these occasions, a widely circulated White House photo shows around 50 evangelicals gathered around Trump in the Oval Office. Pastor Jeffers? Yes. Prayer? Let's pray together, may we? Yes. Of the 50 Christian leaders who were there that day, 14 of them are closely related to Bethel, including Sean Foyt. In the photo, you can see his shock of long, blonde, curly hair and his hand stretched out to touch the president's forearm. The White House calls these events prayer briefings, and Trump has hosted several since taking office. Father, I thank you that we have a president, President Donald Trump, who believes in the power of prayer. This country has been bitterly divided for decades upon decades, and now you have given us a gift. President Donald Trump, who wants to bring healing to this country, we want America to be great again. And we can know that America can only be great if America is good. And we know we have a president who wants to make America good. Coming up, this season on Heaven Bent. I don't really know exactly why God's called me here. Um, I think a lot of it, if, if I knew ahead of time, I would probably be like, whoa, that's way too much, you know, but I think it's a good thing that part of it's a mystery. I really was on the floor convulsing. I was dancing in the fronts of the aisles. I was speaking in tongues. 
overall, there's a sense in the community that folks who attend Bethel pretty lax about social distancing and mask wearing, that they just don't believe that the virus is really dangerous. The fact that there's a lot of hate towards this place tells me that there's something special going on because the devil doesn't, you know, leave unopposed things that are like working hard for God's kingdom. A normal church doesn't lay on people's graves. A normal church doesn't park outside of morgues hoping to pray for dead people. These are not like normal church things. That's cult behavior.